Hi, I'm, uh, welcome to The Long Drive. This is your host, Patrick Mason. We're <coughs> here to talk to you about uh, Catholic stuff, Christianity stuff. Uh, and as a caveat or note, I am not uh, Vatican or Pope approved or any of that. Uh, mostly because I literally am driving home. Right now, I don't have the Bible or catechism or any other document in front of me, so I can't be 100% sure that I'm speaking, necessarily speaking the truth at the moment, but I attempt to remain uh, faithful to the magisterial teaching of the church at all times. So keep that in mind. If you have a correction for me, if I get something wrong, please feel free to let me know. Continuing our series on asking, answering the question, why do I believe in God? Last we talked, we provided what I'm going to call the first step, which was a collection of four blocks of general knowledge about uh, the universe that uh, I find myself in and what I can draw from my experience of that universe, my experiments in that universe, and from the experience and experiments of other individuals whom I trust within that universe. Just to give you a quick reminder of the four blocks, the first one is we live in uh, an objective and intelligible universe uh, that can be, you know, studied, um, uh, and our senses can be used upon it. The second block being that there are through that, through those that we see that the universe had a starting point, that there are laws in play, mass, momentum, energy, uh, and the conservation thereof. There are also a set of entropy laws that describe how energy decays over time. And given that all of this, including the universe itself, all has to go back to a single point, and... <clears throat> Because mass momentum energy cannot create themselves, it forces the necessity of there being an extra universal creator of those things. And combined with block two, the fact that there is some sort of uh, creative force that acted upon the universe to create those things, you also have the creative force or the the rule maker uh, force that set up the rules of the universe. So you know, physics, biology, the way, just the way things work. The fact that we have mass momentum and energy conservation laws, the fact that entropy works the way it does, friction works the way it does. All of that being set up uh, from the beginning and in, uh, in perpetuity required a rule giver. So some sort of extra universal rule giver. And then... The third block being that all of this, the the stuff, so mass, momentum, energy, and the rules exist uh, in perpetuity. That means from moment to moment it exists. It doesn't exist, you know, the mass doesn't necessarily exist in the same exact way. Uh, the force doesn't exist, but it, it all still exists. The, the conservation laws hold, and the conservation laws, uh, meaning that, you know, the mass and energy... Uh, will exist in some form going forward, but also that the conservation laws hold in that they they still work. They work from moment to moment. They work from the beginning. They'll work tomorrow. We all assume. So what we get from that 
is there is some uh, perpetual force, extra universal perpetual force that is driving the rules and um, how to put it, keeping up the created mass momentum and energy within the rules. And then the fourth block that we tackled was coming at it from a different direction whereby we weren't uh, interfacing with the physical universe necessarily, but more with the mental universe that we all experience in our mind and the, the fact that the way we judge actions, especially those actions perpetrated by individuals who have minds uh, and have intention and those actions that bring with them the... Uh, cause harm or bring pain and the fact that we judge those actions against the standard and we find that the standard our internal standard in the majority part matches other people's internal standards and we find this to be true not just for some people we know but all people we know all people we've read about in all of history. So we find that the, they're both a rule maker for the physical universe, but there appears also to be a lawgiver for the uh, mental judgment of actions by reasoned individuals. Or individuals with minds is another way to put it. So given all that, we find ourselves with those four blocks. You move those four blocks together and you are on a step. You're on the first step. And you stand upon that step. Now, we're not yet to God. Uh, I know I've, I've used the word, yeah, we call this thing God. Um, but we really haven't gotten that far uh, in reality. What we've gotten to is we have some kind of extra-universal creative thing or force. We have some sort of extra-universal uh, rule-giving force. We have some sort of extra-universal in-perpetuity force or perpetual force. And we have another extra-universal law-giving force that acts not just on the physical universe, but also on each individual's mental universe. Huh, mental universe. apologize. So where does that lead us? Well, we step on top of that. So the question becomes, what can we glean from our experiences and our observations and our experiments and from what other smart, intelligent, and people we trust uh, can teach us, what knowledge can we glean about these forces or force uh, and what, where do we go from, you know, from there? So once you're standing on top, you start asking the question, okay, you have some sort of creative force. And you have a, uh, a perpetual force, and you have a rule-giving force. And you have a law-giving force. What is the nature of these forces? And uh, can we glean anything from that, you know, about, about that nature from the world around us? And the answer is um, probably yes. So the first thing we have to consider the first thing we have to nail down is the concept that is extra universal and this is actually a requirement because in in all those four cases the perpetualness the um the creation 
the uh, rulemaking, their per- their perpetualness, and the law giving. All of that ha- comes from outside the universe. The creation has to come extra universally because if it didn't, it would violate uh, the internal rules. The the rules have to come uh, extra universally because if they didn't, they would be subject to their own rules, in which case the rules themselves would violate, some of them would violate, for instance, the, the conservation of mass moment of energy, uh, the fact that they they continue on in the same way to do would seem to violate uh, other rules concerning degradation, entropy, that kind of stuff. So the perpetualness of the rules being extra universal uh, is, is a requirement. It's also a requirement because they don't change uh, with the universe. The universe uh, does change around us. We know that both uh, from local experience and from you know astrophysics in general. What we learn is that the universe is pretty much always in motion, always changing, and so the fact that the rules don't change with the universe means that the rules are extra universal by nature, or they exist within the universe, but the thing holding them up, or putting the rules in place is extra universal by nature. The... And then there's the, yeah, there's the perpetualness, which would violate some other problems. So, yeah, the the perpetualness of it and the, I guess it's almost the, you can almost think of it as a continual creation, but that's not quite right. But the, the thing that keeps the atom there from moment to moment uh, and the rules in place from moment to moment uh, has to be extra universal, again, because... It's not affected by the universe, uh, which you would expect of anything that was inside the universe would be expected would be affected by the universe it inhabits. The fourth one, the the minded one, is extra universal because we don't find variance uh, with it, either biologically or geographically. It seems to always apply to all people everywhere. So. That's why that's why extra universalness is kind of the the it's really the the one quality we established of all these forces uh, as we as we studied the world around us with the step we're standing on now is the extra universalness. So I set up all those all those blocks and they're sort of building blocks to tell us that hey this this universe uh, is, you know as special and wonderful and awesome as it is. It's being acted on from the outside. And so what we have to do is try and figure out, you know, what is acting on it from the outside. Is that thing good or bad, intelligent, stupid, so what? So we can glean from pretty much all four blocks. So this that whatever these forces are, that at least some of them appear to be intelligent. And I use the word intelligence, you know, more or less in the human frame of mind, that uh, it acts in a reasoned way, uh, that things move 
um, from one to another in a in a re- that logic works in a chain of reason. And facts are facts, that kind of thing. And we get that we get that quality that the that the active that the forces at least some of them are active mostly from the rulemaking and the law giving because if if it was not if it was unintelligent whatever extra universal force set up and perpetrator and set up and um, continues to keep up the rules that govern the universe if it was unintelligent then we would not expect the universe to work the way it does and the reason we wouldn't expect it to work the way it does is because on inspection of the universe we find that it works very well and what I mean by that is it works at all once you start investigating getting down to the brass tacks about how the universe <clears throat> works you start uh, studying quantum mechanics um, advanced astrophysics when you get down to the way electrons work, the way nucleuses work, the way water works. Water is always awesome to me. Um, <clears throat> the fact that biology works, that genetics works, it, that it all works, hinges on a whole bunch of what we're going to call, uh, or what are commonly known as universal constants. And there are things that we find universally constant throughout the universe. Hence, universal constant. So Planck's constant, the gravitational constant. There's speed of light. There's a lot of these that exist. <clears throat> and if any one of them were just slightly not what it, what they are now, the whole damn thing comes crashing down. And this doesn't necessarily mean that it couldn't work a different way. What we know, though, is it works this way. And that's uh, an important distinction to make. <clears throat> Whether or not it would work in a different way, what we know is it definitely does work this way. Um, and that coming up with a different way for it, work, for it to work would take more than just slightly tweaking some of the numbers. Because if you slightly tweak some of the numbers, you know, we can tell that it's going to, you know, wreck the whole thing. So it would take more than just that. You, if you were setting up rules for a universe and putting everything into <laughs> into motion, you could see that um, it would take more than just, you know, if you moved the speed of light to, you know, 20 miles an hour, it would take more than just changing all the other numbers. You might have to change some real, uh, you might have to change a bunch of the rules themselves in order to compensate for the fact that light moves really slow in that universe. Um, So, to do that kind of tinkering and to to develop a universe that works takes some kind of intelligence on or above, and really above the human, I'm going to go ahead and say above the human level because people aren't just, you know, amazing (laughs) in that respect. We have some people who can understand quite a bit, but um, contemplating the entire universe and setting up the uh, the rules and all that 
it's a little beyond just uh, simple human intelligence. So the rules, the fact that they're all rules, and, and also the laws, they point to it too, not as, um, I don't know what you call it, scientifically, dramatically, as the rules do, but the laws point to it too, the fact that uh, human beings, these the laws, this universal set of laws, it leads us, it leads us to form societies and to, and to um, more or less get along with each other. If we didn't have this uh, kind of universal set of of laws and judgments about each other's actions going on, the fallout could be uh, quite dramatic. And we see that from pretty much um, every experiment that tried to to enforce or change sort of the universal uh, judgment code. We are all kind of, we get... And, and how disastrous and how many people just, you know, wholesale were killed or died due to that. So there's, it, it's very likely from the law set that there's an intelligence at play. It's guaranteed from the rules. Just knowing that the rules are what they are and they cause the universe to be in existence the way it is we are shown that there is some form of intelligence behind this rules and that intelligence is uh, greater than human intelligence. So, so that's what we got. We got intelligence, uh, universality, and intelligence so far. So I guess uh, that's uh, where we'll end it this evening. I'm your host, Patrick, and thank you for listening to The Long Drive Home. That is The Long Drive Home. I hope you had a good drive home, or have, are having a good day, or whatever. however you listen to this, that you're doing well. And we will end with a prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, the Father of heaven and earth, we thank you today for the graces of our day. Thank you for giving me a safe drive and give all the listeners uh, your grace and your uh, mental acuity so that they may sift through the spaghetti of uh, random concepts that I presented to them so that it is intelligible. Uh, Dear Lord, in your name we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May your will be done. Your Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day.